0: your Nation, let's ride. But Don Nealon's mountaineers enjoy walking in where angels fear to tread. Harrison trouble, stiff arms, a would be tackler comes down the 25 to 20, goes around about it to 15 to 10 to 5. A touchdown with Virginia, he did it. Takes the slate one on one with the defender. Look at Pat White. West Virginia football. Leave no doubt tonight. Leave no doubt tonight. No doubt, it shouldn't play the old don't blue. It is a great night to be a mountaineer, wherever you may be. And now, the show brought to you by Mountaineer fans for Mountaineer fans, the Country Road Webcast. What's going on, Mountaineer Nation? Welcome into Season 5, Episode 145 of the CRW Podcast, our TCU Review and Reaction Edition. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Cruz, here to discuss the West Virginia Mountaineers' 41-31 loss they suffered to the TCU Horned Frogs. For TCU to remain unbeaten in the 2022 season, and unfortunately to drop the Mountaineers, down to three and five overall on the season and now one and four in Big 12 conference play thus far in 2022. And we'll talk a little bit about each side of the ball as we progress here throughout this review and reaction episode. But before we do, I wanted to kind of kick this off with a couple of positives that I did have you know, from the game. I know there's some other things we can talk about on the other side of that coin, of course. But one thing that I mentioned in our immediate post-game reaction show uh, who were on the Country Roads webcast here, was I wanted to, you know, not forget the couple positive things that did come out of this game, in my opinion. And number one of those being, of course, Dante Stills. You can't fail to mention that when you talk about this game. TCU throws a screen pass. Dante Still stops it for a TFL. And then immediately just pops a up. Oh, that's the record. And, of course, you know, you've seen the tweets going out from West Virginia football, and you've seen – you know, his brother Darius congratulating him and things like that. And rightfully so, all those things are well-deserved for, you know, a great person and a great player in Dante Stills. And, you know, the Stills family name has had a heck of a legacy at West Virginia. And just, I guess, to kind of put the cherry on top of all that, you know, is Dante finishing his career as the career tackles for loss leader in WVU history, a record that has stood for, you know, nearly 20 years now that Grant Wiley held at West Virginia – And now Dante still sits alone as the top. He has the most tackles for a loss, or more tackles for a loss, I guess I should say, than any other player that has ever worn the old gold and blue. So that was awesome to see him break that record and you know get that honor in this game. So I wanted to definitely point that out and recognize that because this is a guy that's had an excellent Mountaineer career, I think has a really bright future in the uh, professional ranks as well. And then the other positive to me, I think, was One of the things that we've talked about in, you know, a couple of these recent losses, you know, basically against the Texas teams, Texas Tech and Texas, of course, is that it wasn't, you know, that you lost the game necessarily. We could, you know, deal with the hard-fought losses. It was how you lost the game, how you showed up, how you played, or how you almost seemed like you didn't show up, I guess would be a better way to put it even maybe. uh, Because they just were beat from the start, you know, down 28 to nothing against Texas, you know, 28-7 halftime. Then, you know, even worse against uh, Texas Tech, and you ended up getting swallowed by 38 in that game. So in this game against TCU, I think we're all really worried because TCU has shown that they are a very high-powered offense. They've been explosive this season. And, of course, we did see that in this game. But we knew coming in, West Virginia was really injury-stricken as well, Uh, just riddled with injuries on the defense. You know, a secondary that's already struggling, had a lot of injuries. And then on offense as well, you're you're missing two offensive linemen. So we were worried about seeing West Virginia come out and get blown out again. That's what we didn't want to see, especially on homecoming. You wanted to see the Mountaineers really fight, you know, because top 10 ranked team undefeated coming into Morgantown. That's been a big thing in the past. You know, the excitement level wasn't really there this week. So I think as a fan base, you know, us as fans, were kind of worried. Oh, man, maybe they're not in it. It could be bad. It's going to be ugly. But I think if nothing else, they showed they are still in it and they are still fighting. And that's one thing that was a positive to, for me to see is how they played this game. They did come out and fight. Even with the injuries on off on the offensive line, they ran the football well. You know, the fill-ins there. Thomas Remack making his first start on the offensive line did well. Jordan White as well. We know that he can do it. And then even when he went down, Brandon Yates having to play guard, something he hasn't really done throughout his career extensively, doing a good job there. Um, and then defensively, you saw guys step up that, really needed to Malachi Ruffin is one that comes to mind getting an interception late in the game that could have been a game-changing play so you had guys step up when needed and I think if the question was has Neil Brown lost the locker room has he lost the team are they not willing to fight for him I think that was answered in this TCU game if nothing else there's a lot of other things you can talk about in regards to that but I think we were all worried about getting blown out and this team not you know having the will to fight anymore especially after that performance that we saw against Texas Tech and I think They came out and they showed that's not the case and they are willing to fight and they're going to battle in these final four games to try and get a win or two here uh, for Mountaineer Nation. And I hope that they're able to do so. And I was really proud of how they fought against, you know, one of the nation's best teams, what has been the best team in the Big 12 so far this season. And, you know, a team that remains unbeaten in college football. And they were right there with plenty of chances to win it, you know, late in the game, not being able to win it and, you know, not being able to find a way to win in games where you have chances to win, that can kind of be, you know, talked about with this coaching staff, you know, as well on the other side of that coin. But I digress on that because I just wanted to open this up with a couple positives and let's get into a little bit more of the stats from the game now and a little bit more of a breakdown of each side of the ball. Let's start with that Mountaineer defense that we knew coming into this game had really struggled and we knew TCU had a good offense and, TC really showcased that in this game as well. They, um, let's see here. So not only was that something that we thought about going in was how explosive this TCU offense was, but it's something that they certainly proved in the game on Saturday. As you look 41 points for TCU, as I said, in the 41 to 31 victory, and they only ran 56 plays on offense. So that just shows you how quick strike this t- TCU offense has been and how explosive they are, you know, 41 points and 56 plays. That's, you know, almost unheard of. And, you know, it was a tale of, you know, two different styles in the game, really, when you watched it, because West Virginia, as we've seen all season, more balanced out goes on these longer methodical, you know, 14, 15 play drives when they do get, you know, points. And then you would TCU would counter that and score in, you know, one play or two plays, you know, so it was really a tale of contrasting styles there offensively, but looking at what TCU was able to accomplish offensively, and we'll talk a little bit about the Mountaineer defense in this one, because, I think that you know in the second half specifically they really did show some you know improvements or looked better than what we have seen in recent weeks I guess you could say uh, for sure but looking at TCU's offense uh, they picked up 17 first downs five of 12 on third downs. 494 total yards, so the Mountaineers did hold them under 500 total yards. I guess that's uh, positive when you're talking about, you know, how much this Mountaineer defense has struggled thus far this season. 341 yards passing for uh, TCU. The Mountaineers did force the one – the turnover there with the interception. And then also uh, the fumble, of course, on the on the punt. But off the defense itself, you know, I guess that would be a special teams turnover. So the defense itself forcing the one turnover with the interception. Uh, TCU did run for 153 yards, um, averaged 5.7 yards per carry. Um, then possession time, they had the ball for 23 minutes, as opposed to West Virginia's 36, which I'll talk more about when I talk about the West Virginia offense. Um, as far as who stood out on that TCU offense, of course, Max Duggan we talked about his improvements this season, you know, leading into the game and those continued in this game to show, you know, the type of player that he's been this season, just extremely accurate, you know, with his passing, we knew in the past that he was a weapon with his legs, but this season he's really in this offense, I guess it's, you know, tailor made almost for him to have success. He really seems to, thrive in this new offensive system that they're running under Garrett Riley as their offensive coordinator with uh, new head coach Sonny Dykes and in this game he went 16 of 28 for 341 yards three touchdowns and an interception Uh, running back Kendra Miller was very impressive averaged 10 yards a carry exactly actually 12 carries 120 yards and a touchdown Amani Bailey got one carry took it 30 yards for a touchdown so you know both those two guys explosive in the run game you know uh, Miller had a long, a fifty-one, so fifty-plus yard rush for him as well. Both those guys, you know, made big plays for TCU in the run game. Receiving wise, we knew Quentin Johnston was a weapon going in. He was battling injury, but still managed four catches, seventy-six yards, and a touchdown in this game. But really, it was Tay Barber that hurt West Virginia a lot. Four catches, ninety-nine yards, and a touchdown. And then Savion Williams that hadn't really showed up a lot for them this season. He's a really tall receiver. Made a few big catches, especially. The one late that made the final score, you know, a 10-point margin. West Virginia was down 34-31. Fourth and one, 20-some seconds left. TCU goes it to try and seal the game. West Virginia jumps off sides. Max Duggan has a free play, so he throws up to the end zone. Savion Williams comes down with it for his one touchdown, and he had three catches, 97 yards in that touchdown. I'm um, looking at the West Virginia defensive numbers here a little bit. Uh, let's see right now. Uh, Lee Koba, of course, coming away with the lead in tackles again for the Mountaineers with seven total for the game. Jared Bartlett with five. He did have a sack and a TFL. Sean Martin with a TFL and a half. And, of course, Dante Stills, like we talked about, with the one TFL. Um, Other players tackles for loss. You had Nate Muhammad make a nice play there for a TFL. You had Raleigh Collins make a play for a TFL. Of course, Jordan Jefferson getting in the backfield. And then Mike Lockhart, credit for the other half TFL there to go along with the one with Sean Martin. So, there's the Mountaineers who made some plays in the backfield there uh, defensively. Uh, Mountaineers did have some batted balls in this one as well. Two pass deflections from uh, Jordan Jefferson specifically, so getting his hands up when he w- wasn't pressuring the quarterback, batted a couple passes, and then Hershey McLaurin had one as well. So Mountaineer defense, um, you know, bit of a mixed bag per usual. They did give up the big plays, which you don't like to see. You know, the alignment, I think, thing may have been an issue again. I know – I do believe TCU may have motioned into this so that they somehow got into this matchup. But at one point on the long Tay Barber touchdown, I believe it was the first touchdown of the game for TCU, 71 yarder, if I'm not mistaken, to even the game up at 7-7. But West Virginia had Lee Coba, you know, our Mike linebacker trying to run step for step with the speedy slot receiver Tay Barber from TCU. So, you know, nothing that Lee Coba can do there, just a bad situation for him to be in. But, you know, I don't know necessarily to put that on their coaches. You know, I don't think they would match Lee Koba up one-on-one with um, Tay Barber specifically. To me, it looked like, you know, re-watching the play, that Lee Koba kind of stopped, like he was passing that off to a safety and there was no safety there. So I don't know if it was miscommunication on, you know, a a coverage breakdown there or what. But I think the motion that TCU had used in the play also got them that matchup. But either way, that's, you know, one thing that stuck out. And there was a few – coverage breakdowns like that that stuck out in this game. But as bad as West Virginia has been defensively throughout the season, you know, the first half, it seemed like TCU was going to just do whatever they wanted. But then in the second half, the West Virginia defense really made some plays, and I definitely wanted to, you know, not let that go unnoticed. And I don't think – it, you know, I don't want the defense to think that it went unnoticed for us, you know, fans here in Mountaineer Nation because it didn't. The effort that they showed to give the Mountaineers chance after chance late in this game to – you know, tie it or take the lead, did not go unnoticed, and we we're really appreciative of that in Mountaineer Nation because, you know, West Virginia had a chance to beat a top-ten team. You know, the offense did nothing with those chances late in the game, which will talk more about that in a minute. But the defense really, I thought, did some good things. You know, specifically, TCU starts the fourth quarter first and goal at the one-yard line, and West Virginia ends up, forcing them to kick a field goal from outside their own 10, a 30-yard field goal. Um, big plays on that one. You know, Jordan Jefferson blowing it up, getting the TFL on their on their first play. Then on third and goal, they try to reverse. And Raleigh Collins, who's thrust into the game as a true freshman because of injury to Davis Malinger, who we will see, you know, what happens with that in the future. Two injuries that came out of this game, you know, as I said before, was injury-riddled coming in. Suffered a couple more in this one on offense, being C.J. Donaldson, defensive one being Davis Malinger. Neil Brown seeing neither one of those really looks good for the future. So who knows there, but I digress on that. Raleigh Collins fills in as a true freshman, makes a big TFL there. You know, they end up uh, forcing TCU into the field goal. Uh, you know, a touchdown could have really sealed the deal. So that was big. And then, you know, Another one, they stopped TCU on, you know, a fourth down attempt. And then you get Naim Muhammad who's filling in at Spear there as well, you know, splitting time with the aforementioned Raleigh Collins with Davis Ballinger out. He makes a play for a TFL on Max Duggan, who's trying to run for a fourth down conversion there. So, you know, two big stops for the defense, one to force a field goal, one to turn the ball over on downs and get the ball back to the West Virginia offense. And those really stood out. And then, you know, even one more beyond that, even, you know, there's three there, that stuck out to me in the third one, of course, I mentioned briefly earlier talking about him, Malachi Ruffin, you know, a former walk-on that's really struggled for West Virginia this season. He's been thrust into more action than they probably, the coaching staff would have probably liked in more action than I'm sure he expected to see this season. But in this game, he really stepped up to the challenge more so than we've seen him do at all throughout, you know, this season or his Mountaineer career to this point. Really held his own, I think, playing the other cornerback spot when he had to get out there and of course, on the fourth down attempt, I mentioned late in the game, Max Duggan threw one up on a fourth down attempt to save John Williams and that got the touchdown. But prior to that, he tried to do that as well. And you because you had Malachi Ruffin, you know, five foot nine, five foot ten corner for the Mountaineers, guarding a six foot seven tight end for the TCU Horned Frogs and Jared Wiley. So one on one, Max Duggan just throws it up and Malachi Ruffin makes a play. Got an interception, and the West Virginia offense had a chance there late, and you know. Like I said, of course, that ended up not going their way. But the West Virginia defense, for as much as we've harped on them, they did, you know, have their same mistakes in this game. You know, I still want to see better tackling. The tackling's still very poor. We've seen a lot of arm tackles on TCU's runs, you know, that they ended up breaking for those explosive plays that I talked about earlier when I was mentioning the TCU running backs. Tackling was still poor. And then, of course, the coverage breakdowns. Got to do something about those. But other than those, you know, same problems that we've seen all season, we did, I think, see a, you know, a, a glimmer of hope in the second half, I guess, that this team can fight and play hard enough to stop, you know, good offenses because the TCU offense is arguably the best in the conference and they got enough stops for the West Virginia Mountaineers to have a chance to win this game. So if nothing else, that's got to give you, you know, a little bit of hope for these final four games that the West Virginia defense can find enough stops for the Mountaineers to have a chance to secure some wins in these final four games as they Still seek bowl eligibility, not mathematically out of that equation yet. Five losses on the season. You know, they got to get to six wins. So they got to win three out of these last four, is basically if you want to see the Mountaineers get to a bowl game, that's what's got to happen. So if they're going to be able to even have a chance at all of doing that, the defense has to play a lot like they did in the second half against TCU for the remainder of this season. So that's kind of my thoughts on the Mountaineer defense versus the TCU offense in this one. Flip it over to the other side. Let's talk about the West Virginia Mountaineers' offense in this game. All right, before I get into some numbers, just kind of my brief overall thoughts. I thought the West Virginia offense, you know, overall did not play bad. They played a good game. I think for the most part, overall, there's a couple series that I will, you know, talk about. The play calling and the game plan was very good. Uh, against the, against this TCU team, you know, who we know has struggled on defense this season. I think it's specifically, you know, first early in the game, maybe even you could say the first three quarters, the West Virginia game plan was good enough for them to win this game and the execution was good enough. Late in the game is when the execution really failed West Virginia. And, you know, some of the play calling, I think, can be brought into question on some in some situations there. But overall, the West Virginia offense had a good performance, But the one thing that you have to say about this is they didn't get it done when they needed to. So, you know, as much as some of these numbers may sound, you know, good statistically, and you know, to the naked eye, the performance was good overall, all that matters is late in game when you're given a chance to, you know, go tie the football game or win the football game, you're able to go do that. And specifically when you're given that opportunity multiple occasions, you've got to be able to do that. And so that's what it boils down to for this offense to me in a nutshell, but. Having said that, let's look at a little bit of these numbers and talk a little bit more about this offensive performance in this game. West Virginia picked up 25 first downs, nine of 17 on third downs. So, you know, above 50%, that's good. 430 yards of total offense, 275 yards passing, 155 yards rushing, 3.9 yards per carry. Of course, you'd like to see the yards per carry be a little higher, but, you know, the balance was certainly there. They threw the ball 39 times, ran the ball 40 times. So, you know, the balance that we've seen West Virginia try and achieve really uh, throughout this whole season, it's been almost 50-50. And, you know, it's even leaned, you know, 55-45 to run at at times, I would say. And, you know, the one complaint I think from Mountaineer Nation with this offense has been – the lack of a sense of urgency, I guess. You know, we would I know personally anyway, and I've heard, you know, others say the same, I would like to see the Mountaineers utilize tempo a little bit more on offense and just kind of open it up, especially when in games where they're trailing. You know, we've seen it in this game against TCU when they were trailing late. We've seen it, you know, in the past against Texas when they were down big. They still stick to their formula. Uh, And I'm not saying you get away from the run completely, obviously. You don't want to do that. But just a little bit of sense of urgency. You know, why are we still doing, you know, the sugar huddles and the check with me's and letting this, you know, clock wind and stuff. Just, I don't know. I feel like the offense has operated better when we have gone tempo throughout the season and we've had to in two minute situations, specifically the passing offense and JT Daniels. And I don't know. I just think, I know for our defense, we kind of have to not shoot ourselves in the foot offensively. I guess we want those guys to get some rest and we need to possess the ball more than our opponents so that our defense isn't on the field as much because we know how our defense is struggling, and I understand that. But I think there's still times in spots, especially when you're trailing, that you really want to speed up the tempo. And I think West Virginia doing it in in spots, you know, to catch the defense off guard would be good as well. We've seen us do it when we have a big play, we'll run a super fast tempo. But I would like to see us do it, you know, for periods of drives or for drives in general come out and say, hey, this driver going with, you know, our – our fastest tempo, you know, stuff like that. Just try and catch the defense off guard. So uh, that's just kind of one thing that's stuck out to me for this team throughout the season. And the offense in general, I think the other complaint has been, it's not a big play offense. I don't know if that's on, you know, JT Daniels. We know he has arm talent, but I don't know, maybe throwing the deep balls, not his strength, you know, he's, when he does, it seems to be back shoulder, you know, the back shoulder fade, you know, trying to get the timing routes. I think he's super great, you know, 20 to 30 yards. But we haven't seen the West Virginia hit a lot of go routes, fade routes, you know, this season. So I, I don't know if that's if that's part of the reason or if it's just not a strength of this team, they feel like. So it's just not the way they've designed the offense. And it's more run balanced, you know, run heavy to set up the pass, you know, play action. And then, you know, the RPOs that we run, we've seen the RPO with the outside zone, with the out concept off of that. We've seen us hit Sam James on that. We saw us hit Reese Smith on that in this game against TCU. I believe that was called back, but look, it was a good play. And of course, you know, the screen game, we utilize that lateral passing game a lot in this offense. And then a lot of slants, uh, deep ends, deep outs, you know, things like that. But yeah, it's just not a lot of um, – and so I don't know if it's by design for this offense, but I think that's one complaint we've seen is just – it's not very explosive, and I think that that's something that we've seen over for the four years now of the Neil Brown regime is the offenses just have not been explosive like that. When West Virginia has been in games, it's been these methodical drives, keep it close, stay in it, and try and win it in the end. And West Virginia hasn't been able to win these games in the end. So I don't know if that's just kind of Neil Brown's strategy of how he likes to play things. You know, a little bit. We know he's a little bit more conservative. But, you know, I personally, and I, I'm sure a lot of others miss, you know, touchdown city, right. As we used to call it in Morgantown, you know, a lot of explosive plays, the up-tempo offense, the high scoring. And West Virginia has had a good offense. They have been scoring the football, you know, but it's just different to watch. It's almost, I don't want to say it's dull because I still enjoy watching the Mountaineers I always will, no matter what, you know, I enjoyed watching the Jeff Mullen offense even right. But it's just not super exciting, I guess. And I, I think some of it may fall on the receivers. I think we'll see after, you know, some of these guys that have been here four years, move on, if it is, or if it's, if it's not, you know, of course, that depends on if this coaching staff sticks around, which is a whole nother topic I won't get into right now, but maybe it's just these receivers aren't good at, you know, we've seen them not be able to get a lot of separation. So maybe they aren't good enough of getting enough step on a guy to beat them, but, there was a couple games, times in this game where Sam James did have his man beat and the throw was a little bit off. So I don't know. I'm just questioning if West Virginia has that in their tool bag to have, you know, too many explosive plays that aren't, you know, r- made by a run after the catch. Because it seems like West Virginia's explosive plays this year have been that, you know, it's been a screen and they take it or a slant and they take it. There hasn't, you know, it, it's been far and in between the actual, you know, deep shots that West Virginia has hit on, you know, a go route, you know. So. I don't know. It's just something that I think a a lot of people have kind of been discussing and something that's been sticking out to me. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought about, well, this is kind of how the Neil Brown offense has been throughout his time here. So, I don't know, really just, you know, asking questions, right? That's what we do here. It's what's fun about podcasting, just speculating and bringing up stuff that's, you know, fun to talk about. But getting into more of the offensive numbers for West Virginia, let's look at the individual numbers offensively for the Mountaineers in this game against TCU. JT Daniels, 275 yards passing, two TDs, did throw another interception, unfortunately. So as you see there, you know, average yards per completion, 7.1, 23 completions for only 275 yards. So that kind of goes hand in hand with what I was talking about there with the lack of, you know, explosion on offense. Rushing, I think C.J. Donaldson, we really saw him have a great performance, specifically in the first half. 19 carries, 104 yards, two touchdowns. Unfortunately, he was injured late. You know, Brown was asked about in the postgame, says it doesn't look good. Hopefully, you know, he's able to come back. But kind of to me, that sounds like if I'm predicting he may be out for the rest of the season. And I think if it's questionable, that's not a bad move to hold him out because we heard the coaches talk earlier in the season. You know, he didn't get to go through the offseason training program. He hasn't ever played running back before at any level of football. So he really didn't have the conditioning to be a three-down back, and West Virginia has had to rely on him to be a three-down back in these past couple of games. And I think that's why we've seen him, you know, unfortunately get injured like he has. So I think if it's questionable, hold him out, let him rest up, heal up, go through the offseason, get the conditioning he needs. And then West Virginia, if they need him to in 2023, to be their third down back, their bell cow, he can do that. Uh, But he's shown he has definitely has the ability and the talent to do that. We just have to get him in the play and shape to be able to do that as a running back but in this game he really looks good 19 carries 104 yards and two touchdowns before he went out with injury and then Justin Johnson got 10 carries 36 yards and we saw Jalen Anderson for the first time since I believe the Towson game three carries six yards and then he also uh, caught a pass for 15 yards so um finally getting to see the redshirt freshman who you know was highly touted four-star recruit out of Ohio getting to see him and see a little action and with the news of C.J. Donaldson and who knows Tony Mathis' status moving forward, we will probably see more Jalen Anderson will be my guess in the final four games of the season when we're talking about the West Virginia run game, which I was uh, pleasantly you know, impressed with. I was a little bit worried about it. I, like I said, going into the game, you had James Committer out. Prior to the game, you learned Doug Nestor was going to be out as well. Wyatt Milam was playing injured. But the West Virginia offensive line really performed well despite those injuries. So shout out to them for still you know, making holes in the run game and getting that push. Thomas Remack filling in a left guard. The redshirt freshman did a good job. Jordan White at right guard. And then, of course, he went down late in the game, so hopefully he's all right. But Brandon Yates then having to slide in from tackle to guard uh, did a good job there playing right guard as well. So the Mountaineer offense did a good job for the rushing game. Over 100 yards rushing again for the Mountaineers. Like I said, 155 as a team. So unfortunately, that's another loss. In the uh, column, after when the Mountaineers rushed for 100 yards, so I believe it's 16 and three for Neil Brown now at WVU when the Mountaineers rushed for over 100 yards. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's pretty accurate. 16 and three, um, and then receiving wise, Sam James led all receivers and definitely wanted to shout out Sam James in this one. He's a guy that's taken you know a lot of criticism throughout his career. Uh, it's been, you know, up and down ride for him, of course, starting out really hot in that freshman season. But personally, you know, I was a big fan of his heading into that freshman season. Pauled his jersey, you know, when we got the first got the showed those new gray jerseys, I got a gray Sam James. I'm sure you all have seen me wear it on the show before. But having said that, Shout out to him. He really put on a great performance in this game. He was battling, and you could see him really putting forth great effort, even to the naked eye, you know, just watching as a fan. You could see it. Um, Breaking tackles after catches, you know, just really doing all that he could and making plays. And not only, you know, as a receiver, but you see him on special teams. You see him all over. So that was good to see, and I definitely didn't want that to go unmentioned. Beyond that, three catches, 51 yards for Bryce Ford Wheaton, three catches, 36 yards, and a touchdown for Reece Smith. And while we're giving people credit, got to give Reece Smith a lot of credit for that gutsy touchdown catch. Got absolutely destroyed by, you know, two TCU defenders. JT Daniels fit in a laser beam there to him at the goal line. He got hit really hard, was a little banged up after the play, but held on to the football for an awesome catch. So that was awesome by him. And then Caden Prather, four catches, 29 yards. Traylon Davis, a tight end, one catch, 16 yards. Uh, Second consecutive game, he's had a catch of uh, 15-plus yards. Cortez Braham, one catch, 15 yards. And then Garrett Green, we saw get a couple receptions in this game. Again, two catches, 13 yards. And then Justin Johnson did have a receiving touchdown uh five-yarder there on a play-action rollout pass there near the goal line for the Mountaineers on, I believe, what was a fourth-and-goal play, if I'm not mistaken. So the Mountaineer offense, you know, did enough, and the numbers look good. But what it comes down to, I think, is late in the game. As I mentioned, you know, when we were talking about the West Virginia defense, they did have these key stops, the interception by Malachi Ruffin, the fourth down stop, you know, where Nate Muhammad uh, tackled Max Duggan. And the West Virginia offense had chances to – go tie the football game or take the lead. Virginia was down 34-31 for a long time late in this fourth quarter, and they just they couldn't get it done. And, you know, I mentioned some of the positives, you know, throughout there talking about the numbers and some of the players that stood out. And I mentioned overall earlier that I thought the play calling was good and the game plan was good. But there are a couple of series that I have to just talk about. One of those being West Virginia gets the ball first and goal. Here in the third in the third quarter. And we knew West Virginia was probably going to go for it on all four downs at that point, you know, go for the go for the touchdown. And earlier in the game, West Virginia had been successful running the football, like I, you know, I talked about, and like they have been for, you know, a lot of this season. That's kind of been their strength offensively, is relying on that. I think specifically in the red zone and goal to go situations when they've ran the football well, is when they've done well there. And CJ Donaldson's been a big part of that. But Early in the game, that a red zone drive. It was C.J. Donaldson, C.J. Donaldson, you know, running it, and then they end up with a touchdown. Uh, I think that happened, you know, on two different occasions, actually. And then Justin Johnson's in on a third touchdown drive the Mountaineers have in this game when they get it to a goal to go, and I believe it was two Justin Johnson runs, um, and then the play-action rollout pass I, I mentioned. So the Mountaineers, have, on all their goal-to-go situations prior to the one that I'm addressing here, had ran the ball at least two times with the running back, and ended up with a touchdown on those drives. So, in my opinion, if you got four downs, at least one of those you're going to run the ball with the running back. Ideally, in my opinion, probably two of those. I know C.J. Donaldson was out at this point. I know Neil Brown mentioned in the second half that T.C. would committed eight players into the box to stop the run, and they were pulling a safety down, especially in that goal to go situation. But I think you got to at least try it in. Um, in place of one of the plays that West Virginia did run, you know, that were, I guess, considered, you know, quote-unquote runs on this goal to go drive. Because here, here were the play calls, specifically, you know, these first two. First one is a sweep to Bryce Ford Wheaton, which I guess, you know, some people are questioning that, which I, I understand because that's probably – I'd rather see you run that to Sam James, to Jeremiah Aaron, to Reese Smith, and I get that, but I wasn't too upset about that play call. Okay, you run a sweep on first down, that's fine. The second down play call, which I've seen some people say they weren't too upset about because they – think that maybe they call T, could have called TCU off guard with this one because it's unexpected. And I understand that, and that's one way of looking at it. But to me, it's almost like they overthought it. Why would you run this when you've got Justin Johnson, C.J. Donaldson? Well, I think C.J. Donaldson may have been at last You have Justin Johnson, on Anderson, who is a bigger body as well, who they have said you know can be a power guy. Why would you not want them to carry the rock? But anyway, the second down call is a quarterback draw by J.T. Daniels, which I don't think we've seen all season. Just To me, that's kind of the weirdness of it is – like I said, number one, why not just give the ball to one of your running backs there if you're going to run the football? It's been successful on goal-to-go situations. And number two, if it's a play we haven't ran all season, why in a critical situation, in a goal-to-go situation, are we breaking it out now? just seemed like an odd time for me. I mean, maybe, you know, like some people said, they were trying to catch TCU off guard. And I get that line of thinking, so maybe that's what they were thinking. But either way, you know, I think, I'd rather have the ball in the hands of my running back than JT Daniels when we're talking about running the football, you know, 10 times out of 10. But anyway, so there's your first two play calls. So then you got third and goal and fourth and goal. Don't know what the actual play call was on third and goal because they said this wasn't a check by JT Daniels to a fade to Bryce Ford Wheaton. Okay, so the third and goal, they try a goal line fade to the um, field side to Bryce Ford Wheaton, unsuccessful that apparently JT Daniels checked into, which is, you know, fine if he checked into that play. but. Even if he did check into that play, why on fourth and goal would you go back to another fade and just run it to the boundary side to Caden Prather, Which, you know, some people said maybe there was DPI on that play. Maybe there was, but regardless, I think what's up with the play call there? If you're gonna pass it there, there's so many op you know, run a what what do teams have great success with, you know, specifically we've seen it in the Big Twelve over the past few years, you know, little rub route or pick route, whatever you want to call it. Take your chances with that. Or take your chances with the little slant or the little, you know, just route where just Caden Prather goes and, you know, just kind of sits that we've used to convert. I can't even count how many third down and fourth down in critical situations when it's been, you know, third and seven or less or fourth and seven or less. We've gone to that little play right there to Caden Prather, just JT Daniels fitting it into a tight window and knowing Caden Prather's going to possess the ball, fall down beyond the markers and get the, get the conversion. And we did that, you know, umpteen times throughout this season, and we even did that earlier in this game. And to me, any one of those is just has a much – higher success rate than a fade route, which, you know, I think obviously it's probably not going to get an interception, not a goal line fade. We've seen fade routes get intercepted this season, but goal line fade is rarely going to be intercepted, especially when you're putting it the place you're putting it. It's either probably going to go out of bounds or, you know, maybe be caught by your guy. But to me, the questionable play call there is the, – if you're going to question play call and get all of this game, it's that series right there you look at. Four downs to get, you know, a touchdown that I believe would have gave West Virginia the lead at that point, if I'm not mistaken. And we don't hand the ball off to any of our running backs. Well, we've had great success with all, all game, specifically in goal-to-go situations. And we run a, you know, a quarterback draw with JT Daniels and then back-to-back goal line fades. I think the back-to-back goal line fades is what really gets me the most, though. That and the fact that I would have rather – my running back run the ball once rather than JT Daniels, but it's the back-to-back fades. And I think the way that they justified it was they didn't call back-to-back fades. JT Daniels checked into the one on third and goal, which is fine. You didn't call back-to-back fades, but if he just checked into a fade on third and goal, why go back to it on fourth and goal? I don't know. Just my opinion. That's, you know, the one series. And the other series was West Virginia gets the ball back, still down three with another chance to get it, uh, you know, to go down and tie the game or take the lead. And they end up having to go three and out and punt with, you know, under four minutes remaining in the game. And what troubled me there with that series is, the like I said, I kind of t- t- touched on a little bit earlier the lack of a sense of urgency, but the first two plays West Virginia goes to, you know, who I talked about, Jalen Anderson, who hasn't played since the Towson game hardly, and he's a seldom used redshirt freshman. It's not that I don't think Jalen Anderson is talented and capable, but it's why are our first two plays on the most critical drive of the game and Against a top ten team in the country, you have a chance to beat the top team, a top team in the Big Twelve, you know, on homecoming, and you got this drive in the fourth quarter with you know just over four minutes remaining. And our first two plays, I think the first one was a checkdown. So I'll you know that kind of throw that out because they didn't call it to him exactly. You know, whatever they call was there, he checked the ball down to Jalen Anderson. Fine, but why after that, especially after the checkdown, you know, doesn't net much? Why then are we running? An outside zone to Jalen Anderson. First of all, no sense of urgency. Snap the ball late in the clock there. Run an outside zone. Negative yardage play. Really put ourselves in behind the chains for a lo- third and long. Not able to, you know, complete the pass. End up having to punt in a drive where we should have been, you know, having a sense of urgency. So I just didn't get that that call to go to Jalen Anderson in that situation late in the game. I think you got JT Daniels there. You put the game in his hands. And, you know, I'm not saying get away from the run, but I think 2nd and ten, second and 11, 12, whatever it was, isn't the time to try that, try and get cute and catch him off guard with that outside zone, and specifically not with a guy that hasn't played, you know, since the Towson game and has played, you know, only a handful of snaps all season, and you got him coming in late in this game. He hadn't played all game through the first three quarters, and here he is in the fourth quarter there. So that's just kind of the two series that I did have a little, you know, bit of an issue with. But overall, I thought the game plan was good. Um, for the West Virginia offense. But those two series, really, I think you can complain about a little bit because they were in such critical situations. So it's like, yes, the offense played great. Yes, our game plan was good. But when we really needed it to be great, it wasn't. And that's what really hurts you here as a Mountaineer fan when you're talking about this offensive performance. But overall, I think you can't complain too much about the offense this season when the defense has been, you know, as bad as it has. But in this game specifically, the defense, you know, was the one bailing out the offense, and the offense didn't return the favor. So I don't know. Who knows? But West Virginia couldn't do it, couldn't pull off the win. That's defense offense. Special teams, you know, not too much to talk about in this game, special teams-wise, other than the one crazy play where West Virginia did force a TCU turnover, which I don't know how to – I don't know if that was the right call or not. It was just such a wild play because you had Bryce Ford Wheaton – blocking the TCU defender who bumps into Sam James who's standing in front of the punt returner. So Sam James then hits the punt returner who had signaled a fair catch. The ball bounces on the ground. It's rolling. The West Virginia players see that it's rolling, so they see a TCU man running near it. Push him, so the ball hits his leg. West Virginia recovers. They review it, you know, uphold it. West Virginia gets the turnover. So I guess heady play by, you know, Bryce Ford Wheaton. Uh, you know, because if the blocker causes Sam James to hit the TCU player, apparently, you know, that doesn't constitute kit- catch interference. So, heady play played knowing that, for one, and then heady play played by the other West Virginia special teamers to push the TCU player into the ball so that he touched it before, you know, West Virginia did, and they could, you know, make it a live football and then being able to recover. So, that's the one thing you can spe- say special teams. And I think for this season, for West Virginia, special teams has been good overall, and I think in this game it was yet again. Didn't do anything to cost them the game, and of course, you get the one turnover that should have helped you right there. That ultimately led to that goal to go series I just, you know, discussed about prior to uh, talking about special teams here. But that's kind of a rundown of offense, defense, special teams for West Virginia in this one. Ultimately, unfortunately, they come out on the losing end. Like I said, forty-one to thirty-one to TCU, dropped to three and five on the season, one and four in conference play. <laughs> I guess that will pretty much get ready to wrap us up here for season five, episode 145 of the CRW podcast, our TCU review and reaction edition. Really appreciate you guys for tuning in here, whether you're tuning in on the Country Roads webcast YouTube or over on the WV Sports Now YouTube, which you can find us there on their YouTube and on their website there at wvsportsnow.com as we are a part of their podcast network there on the Sports Now family and networks. We're really appreciative of those guys. But whichever ver- video version of this episode you are tuning into. If you are in here tuning into that version, do us a favor, hit that like button, give us the thumbs up. That'll help this video's performance and help future video's performances as well. And if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. Helps us, helps you, helps get more of this Mountaineer football content out to Mountaineer Nation. If you're subscribed, hit the notification bell there. It'll notify you when we put out any of this Mountaineer sports content. Furthermore, if you're listening to the audio version here, which you can find on any podcast platform you choose, but if you're on Apple Podcasts, do us a favor, leave us a rating before you head out. That really helps us here at the Country Roads webcast as well. Moving forward, of course, we will have plenty more West Virginia football content for you guys listening on the audio side. That'll be the Iowa State preview and predictions Uh, episode coming up which will be episode 146 of the crw podcast but hey if you're an audio only listener to the long form podcast episodes here be sure and you know check out the video side of the crw as well um over there on the country roads webcast youtube channel we do a lot of different things there there's you know content coming out almost every day there so if you can't get enough mountaineer sports content we've got plenty of it rolling out and we will have uh, more of that Um, i did already release the snap counts uh feature from this game That video is up on the channel as well as both the top five highest player grades on offense and top five highest player grade on defense videos. All three of those are up on the channel, so check those out if you haven't already. Of course, like I said, um, Iowa State preview and predictions will be out um, later this week about midweek. And then, of course, we will have another Q&A stream on the channel like we do weekly where we let you guys here in the Country Roads webcast community kind of guide the conversation that'll be coming later this week usually try and do that Thursday or Friday but stay tuned to our social medias as you see them there on the screen at WVU Country Roads on Twitter for future announcements on that and then the best way to know when we do go live and do those streams you know the Q&A streams and then every now and then we do do impromptu live streams as well and of course basketball season kicking up so we'll have a lot of live streams popping up for that as well and basketball content so the way to know about that, like I said, the subscribe button and the notification bell will notify you when we do go live with those Q&A streams and other things here on the Country Roads webcast channel. But I digress on that. I will, enough rambling, but just want to let you guys know some of the stuff we have coming down the road so that you can look ahead for more content here. What, that covers Mountaineer Sports from us here at the Country Roads webcast. But really appreciate you guys for tuning in here to season five, episode 145, the TCU review and reaction edition here. As always, I'm Jordan Cruz. And until next time, let's go. Now, if you really want to know, then come on, let's go. Take a stroll down those. Seats.